I'm coming back today because I, I felt like I really didn't do a good job uh, the last time in killing sin. Um, because you have to understand, I actually believe in this stuff, okay? And I don't believe in this stuff just from some kind of theological abstract um, that uh, people, um, and theologians do this, preachers do this. They kind of amuse themselves talking about all these different things. Austin had to go to something yesterday that I would have just gotten a kick out of. But, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, one of these things where they kind of, and we come up with these different definitions and these different um, things that we put in manuals and all that kind of stuff and in books that nobody really understands. And, but here's what I want you to understand. You were not created for sin. You, you were created in the image or the likeness of God. Right? I know this is church, but get into this. Let's, let's get this. Because we've got to start putting this stuff into real life. I don't care if you know a little bit. Are you actually living it? Is it actually who you have become or are becoming? Okay? You see... We have this real weird understanding. Well, sin's no big deal. Do y'all have a Bible? In, in Genesis 2 and Romans 6, it says the wages of sin is death. Translate. Big deal. <laughs> Amen? Big deal. Now, here's the part that we've really messed up, and that's the definition of sin. Okay? Sin, uh, the word amartia in the New Testament specifically, is, is, is basically the concept of, in center shot, if you miss the target, that's kind of what sin is. Let me help you with something, and here's where we get it all messed up. You don't de- define the target. God does. <laughs> Amen. See, I, this is what I see today in the church. It's kind of like, well, I, th- I don't, God, God loves you, but he doesn't want you to think. He doesn't want you, well, this is what I, you know, as long as I show up and I don't do too many bad things, I'm good. I'm sorry. That's not what he says. Right? You know? And we've gotten this thing going where, you know, it's kind of whatever everybody makes up. And, you know, as long as I like the music and as long as the preacher's nice, you know, I kind of like it, you know. What the heck is that? This is not fly by night. Make it up, see the pants stuff. You were created in the image or the likeness of God. Any moving off that is sin. Now let me stop right there and go just parenthetically say, (laughs) because of the way we're born, we all miss the mark sometimes. That ain't my point. That, you know, 
But let, but let me also throw another parenthetical statement in there. If you don't care, it's because you don't actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I hear people, well, you know, nobody taught me. I remember there were some folks that used to go here and they were saying, oh, it's the leadership. It's the leadership. I'm like, I said, stop. Do you have a Bible? Yeah. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Then why are you blaming it on somebody else? You see, kids, your relationship with God is your relationship with God. I could give you some suggestions. I could teach you some stuff. But in the end, it's about you and him. <laughs> it ain't like, it's about you and him. And you have to understand, you were created in the image of God. You were created. I love this stuff. I preach about this all the time. I know. You were created powerful, man. You were created to rule and subdue. I'm into that stuff. I'm a jerk. I love to rule my world, Jack. And my wife's always like, well, you got to be careful that you put Jesus in there. Jesus is always in there. It's all about him. But here's the cool part. You don't have to walk through life afraid that somebody's going to get you, that the booger man's going to get you. You don't have to worry about that. Jesus already defeated the booger man. Amen? He already did. Stop that stuff. You stand up, straighten your spine, and say, you know what? I'm the prince of this universe. I'm his kid. Don't you ever tell me I can't because if it hits his will, I can. And that's where I'm at, man. This is who we are. You know, I know that in Genesis 3, two chapters later, Adam and Eve, our original parents, what a couple of doofuses. You know, I mean, you know, he, had, you know, she knew, but she kept talking to him and eventually she stared at that. And then doofus Adam just took it and ate it. That was the original sin, they call it. And kids, that has wreaked havoc and done more damage than I think we even in the church want to recognize. You see, as we've been studying, you were born under, dominated by the law. And did you ever see a day that the law of gravity stopped? If you think there's a day the law of gravity stops, I want you to crawl up on this roof and jump. It just never does. Kids, neither does the law of sin and death. And as long as the law of sin and death is dominating our lives, and we're born in that, are you with me? Is everybody with me? Okay. Then you need to understand something. There ain't nothing we can do of any import, uh, uh, eternal value. We can't save ourselves. We'll never be good enough. We'll never do enough. We'll, uh, we'll never be nice enough. We'll never accomplish enough to save ourselves. We're under the law of sin and death, under the domination of evil or the devil himself, 
our lives are being destroyed. And some of us call ourselves Christians and our lives are still being destroyed. Are, are, are you hanging in there with me? Okay. Austin, you should have had this last Sunday so you could have used it yesterday and straightened them out. But um, the bottom line is, I, I want you to hear this. I want you to understand this. We, we're born there and without the cross of Jesus Christ and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is brought to us through the person of God's Holy Spirit, we're stuck in destruction. And there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, and I'm still watching them walking down that road. And they've got all kinds of excuses. And because all the people in the church are too big of sissies to tell them the truth, that we, oh, yeah, we understand. God understands. Yeah, God understands. God understands you've never actually given your life to him. You've never actually allowed him to save you. You've never actually ensconced Jesus Christ at the center of who you are. You've done the church thing. You're a good person. You're kind of nice. And you only kick the dog a couple times a week. You're good. I want you to hear this. No, you're not. You see, the book of Romans is very systematic. And the first five chapters of Romans is about what we call salvation or justification or being made right with God. And I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to ask you, are you actually right with God? Well, you know, I don't think, stop. It's not about anything you think. Well, I, you know, I don't, don't seem to be able to pull it off. It's not about anything you've done. You got it backwards. You got the cart pulling the horse. Are you with me? Today's a day to start looking at myself and saying, hmm, hmm, okay. Have I actually given my whole self to Jesus? Or am I still hanging on to areas of my life because I don't trust that he'll do the right thing? Anybody ever struggle with that? You know, I want you to understand Jesus came to save us. And salvation means he made us right and place this in a safe spot. You know what safe, the safe spot is? The safe spot is back where we were created in his image. And he's restoring that. And then there's this beautiful flow through eternity called, now here's an old religious word, righteousness. And what that is, it's God's will. It's God's timing. It's doing the things of God the way God would have them done. And I want you to hear this. The only person that can take you out of this sin, this domination that you're born in, that's just destroying your life in every area that it's allowed, 
it takes you from there. And by the cross, by his blood, by his resurrection, because he loves you so much, he takes you from there and puts you back where you belong. Here's the coolest part. Right this minute, right this second, you can say, you know what? I'm tired of being destroyed. I'm tired of living out a mess. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of being stressed by everything. You know, I'm just tired. Sometimes I just say, I'm tired of being tired. <laughs> you know, Jesus, I'm going to lay it all down before you. That's really what worship is. And Jesus, I'm going to let you do what only you can do because I'm all tuckered out trying to do what I want to do. Are you with me there? You know, Sometimes in the church, we become so theoretical. Sometimes we become so systematic. Sometimes we become so abstract theological. We know the answer. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. Do you know what that means? Oh, yeah, I'm born again. Do you know what that means? And then you have to take the next step. Are you actually living that out? There's a lot of people that came to the altar and shook the preacher's hand and became a member, and they're living like hell. And we're afraid to tell them, yeah, something's not right there. Maybe you ought to do it again. Get born again again. I don't care whether you got to get born again 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 every day. I don't care. Just keep doing it till you get it right. You know? Some people are like, oh, you know, I can't go through that again. Somebody asked me, should I be baptized again? Dude, I don't care how many times you got to be dunked. Let's just get it right. And I get preaching, oh, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, shut up. You know, you go do your ritual thing. I'm going to do this Jesus thing. And this Jesus thing actually works in real life. Amen? It actually works In real life. You see, when you're actually saved or born again or justified or whatever you feel like calling it today. It changes your desire. It kind of changes your motives. It kind of changes your passions. And and you don't get it right right away. But what you do get right is, I want to get it right. Is anybody with me? Amen. You know, I just kind of want to get it right. And I keep messing up, but I, I, but I, but I want to get it right. And kids, let me ask you something. Do you want to get it right? Or are you just okay with sort of right? I want you to understand. God ain't okay with sort of right because he did it right on the cross and in the resurrection so we can get it right. Are you with me? You know, he really did. And when you get it right, all of a sudden you start to realize there's something in me that's wrong. 
there, there's something in me that's just not clean. It's just not pure. Every, every time I, 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 I turn around, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated or angry about something because I ain't got what I want or somebody else got what I want or somebody's doing something that's annoying me. Anybody got people to annoy you? You know, I think you'd be the most sanctified person in the world. People still annoy you a little bit. But, but there's just something there that keeps dragging me down and it keeps dragging me down and it keeps dragging me down. And what do I got to do? Well, see, there's this book called 10 Easy Steps to Dealing with That. No, there's not. There's one thing you can do. It comes out of Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Jesus Christ. I.e., I have died. I.e., my selfishness has been killed. Crucified. Are you with me? And now... Because I've died, I can be raised in the newness of life. I could begin to walk more and more and more like Jesus, like I was created to. Therein, I will find peace and joy and happiness and hope and all that fun stuff that we're all looking forward to. Amen. You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, I know some people think, oh, that's not being humble. Well, stop being humble then. Just live it out, baby. You know, just enjoy yourself. Amen. Christians should enjoy themselves. We should laugh. The first thing we should laugh at is ourselves. I mean, I look at myself. First thing I say is, why mess with perfection? And then I just start laughing because I'm just goofy. Anybody here not goofy? We're all goofy. This year, Lisa and I read the Bible every year. And this year, for some reason, God has been showing me, we're just all goofy. We are. Read the Bible. Everybody but Jesus in it is goofy. And some of the things he did, I wonder, that was a little goofy to me too. And he'll talk to me about that. But are you with me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you keep running into this wall, if you keep hitting this lid, if you keep, keep getting drugged back down, you need to die. You know, you need to die. You know the old song, come and dine. That ain't what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say come and party. He said come and die. Then you can party. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the problem. You got, that's Romans 6. Then you get to Romans 7. Now, this is crazy stuff, but it's true. Here I died. I gave it all to Jesus. Next thing I know, I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do. Anybody ever done that? You know, and I grew up, the way I grew up was, yeah, that never happened. I loved, I loved the way I grew up. And Miss Donna and Ruth, you probably grew up, Verna. We didn't sin in the church of Nazarene. We had infirmities. Remember that word? Y'all remember that word? Donna, you remember that word? Were you listening? <laughs> She's like saying, saying, saying to her neighbor, what did he say? Um, but, but 
we do stuff, stupid stuff like that. Well, ours isn't sin. Ours is an infirmity. Dude, if it's outside the will of God, it's sin. Amen? And it needs to be dealt with. And the cool part is we roll right down to the end of seven and end of seven says, it's okay. Who, what do I do about this? Who will separate me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, don't give up and suck your thumb and feel sorry for yourself and say, I'm never going to be able to do it. Just say, okay, God, thank God. You can separate me from this. Amen? Amen. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We ought to be living that way. Okay, if you've done stupid, just admit that stupid to God and God will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Moving on. Did everybody catch that one? Forgive, confess, forgive, cleansed, moving on. There are too many people sitting around in the pot stewing over stupid from the past. Join the club. It's a big club. It's 100%. Are you with me? Stop that. Moving on. Okay, because you see, everything that needed to be done has been done. I keep saying it, I keep saying it, I keep saying it till people start hearing me. Because I still see and hear a lot of people that think I got a lot of doing to be able to really get on top of this. No, Jesus already did the heavy lifting. He's on top. He'll pull you right up there with you if you will let him and quit trying to do it yourself. Galatians talks, the way Galatians describes that is Galatians says, listen, who stole the gospel from you? Who told you you need to start doing this, 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 and this, and not do this, this, and this? And there's, he's saying, no, no, no. This ain't about this, this, and this. This is about Jesus. And Jesus already did it. So like my grandson says, pop, pop, take a chill pill. Quit Chill out, pop-pop, okay? And just relax and just rest and just praise. He already did it, all right? I, I, I don't have time to go through it all, but then we get to verse 11. Is 12 up there? Okay. We get to verse 11. See how I think? See how, why my wife has a twitch? We get to verse 11, and God sends his Holy Spirit to vivify. I like that word, vivify, or bring life and glory and power to my mortal body. And that word for body is not sarks. That word for body is soma. That means he brings life and power and joy and peace and love and healing to every area of my life. Has he? If he hasn't, then you need to go home this afternoon, get by yourself, and sit there and go, okay, God. I don't know where I went awry, but somehow I didn't truly ask you into my whole life. 
So God, right now, I may not understand theologically. I'm not sure pragmatically. I'm not sure real life what that all means. But I ask you in because I know there's something just not right. Are you with me? Okay. It's just not right. And he sends life into every area of your life. Therefore, brothers, that's the introduction. I'm sorry. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. That word flesh there is sarks, and, and there's this whole dynamic of Gnosticism and, and, and those that believe that the flesh is evil and all that. No, you know, I, I don't know how to pull all that apart, and I probably could, but I don't have time, and y'all really don't want to hear it. But just help me. Let me say this. You are not under an obligation to follow evil. You are under no obligation because you are in him. You are under no obligation to follow bitterness. I will stand here till someone says amen. You are under no obligation to follow gossip or slander. Okay? You are under no obligation to follow negativity. Okay? If somebody comes up to you and starts talking negative about me or the church or this or that or the other, you just look at them and say, listen. My pastor said, I am under no obligation to let, listen to your nastiness. No, don't quite say it that way, but, but in your own way, say that in a nice way. I'm not sure how you do that, because that's what I would say. But, you know, you don't have to say it quite that way. Did you hear what I just said? I really believe there are some who think, well, you know, I'm just a weak human. There's nothing I can do. So I just got to follow the road of this foolishness. No, you don't. 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 Amen? You don't have to. Well, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, there is something you can do. You can let him control it. Is everybody with me? Is anybody, is anybody awake? You know, just, you know, I know it's warm in here. You know, I, I took my coat off because I'm going through male menopause right now. Just, you know, I'm just always hot, you know, and just, you know. All the ladies are like, do you hear what he said? <laughs> um, <laughs> We're under no obligation. But it's not the flesh. To live according to it. Therefore, 13. For if you live according to the flesh. Now, it's translated two different ways. And I'm not sure because I'm not intelligent enough to know which is right. But one way is the way it's translated here. You will die. (laughs) And it's kind of right. You keep following the foolishness. You will die. The wages of sin is death. You know. You, You know. 
this stuff where, well, somehow maybe I'll keep doing the same thing and I'll keep praying at the same time. Maybe God, no. It's just, the, the definition of insanity is keeping doing the same thing, expecting a different result. That's not real. It's not here either. You know? The other way they translate it is this, and it's true too. If you're following the flesh, sin, you must die. Because if you don't die, you will die. Amen? But if by the Spirit, I love this, you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. Let me explain this for a second. I'll have you out about 12. Hosses will still be open. When you get saved, you decide, I don't want sin in my life. Amen? You know, I don't want that. Try. We mess up. We do stupid and, you know, everything. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't know anybody that's perfect from that point on other than neurotics and they're neurotic. But when you're saved, you deal with this sin. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I, I don't want that junk in my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then you walk outside and do something stupid. All right? As you grow and mature, that desire to deal with sin gets smaller. And I, I tell them this. I don't want that in my life anymore. Hallelujah. And I started dealing with some of the biggies. You know, and I know nobody wants to talk about the biggies, but we, some of us had some biggies. All right? We had to deal with those biggies. All right? And, and here's the thing you got to understand. Some biggies never go away. I got to throw that in parenthetically. Some things, I don't know why God leaves for us to deal with, to humble us in our need for him, i.e. thorns in the flesh. Remember that whole thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? 12, 12, yeah. Tell? 12. I, I thought I'd throw that in there in case you thought, man, I'm still struggling. Me too. Um, but little by little, God starts to show us this because you know how big cancer cells are they really little but them little boogers can kill us are you with me okay I'll give you an example one time when we were dating we went to see less miserables in New York City okay she took me to Mickey Mantles. I don't even know whether Mickey Mantles is, is. This is back when she loved me. She took me to Mickey Mantles, and um, um, uh, we went to see Less Miserables. About, for you that are artistic, it's Le, Les Miserables. All right? About 15, 20 years later, we went back to see that play again. <laughs> we were both like, was that the same play we saw 20 years ago? And there was some bad stuff in it. But 20 years ago, we didn't really notice it. 
Because we were in love and lust, and we were still, we weren't worried about the play. We were just liking being together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm talking about. As you mature, God starts to narrow those things down. I don't have time to teach all this stuff, but sometimes there are things that, you know, maybe Jen needs to deal with it, but Gene doesn't. Because Jen, God knows Jen needs to deal with that. And believe you me, I work with her, and there are many things Jen needs to deal with. Yeah, I know. But I just throw that in there because I want you to understand it's not all the same. There is no textbook for spiritual growth and development. Okay? It just, there's, it's just all individual. But I want you to hear the cool thing is is there comes a time where you know there's maybe something in your life that if you don't kill it, and usually you're the only one that actually sees it and knows it, and God reveals it. And that's not the time to say, well, Lisa does it. That's the time to say, okay, God, thank you for identifying that in my life. Now, Lord, I've really not been able to deal with this to this point. But, God, I'm going to depend on your word that tells me I now, by the cross and the resurrection through the person of God's Holy Spirit, I have the power, the ability to kill it. Folks, we live in a hurting world that feels like it has no ability to kill it. You know what I'm saying? They feel helpless. They feel hopeless. This is the greatest opportunity in the world. When they come to you and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. My marriage is falling apart because there's something there and we don't know how to deal with it. And you take them, you open the scripture, you love them, you lead them through salvation. You show them that plan and you show them that scripture that tells them, now you have the power to kill it. You have the power by God to reach down and pluck that up by its Roots. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but I got stuff in my life that God reveals to me all the time. And I got a choice. I can either say, well, that's the way it is. Or I can say, you know what? By the power of God, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to pluck it up. It ain't going to mess me up no more. I'm going to kill it. Today, as you walk out these doors, quit making excuses. Quit rationalizing. Quit acquiescing to the thing that's killing you. And you kill it. Amen? Amen? Let's stay.